Hello and welcome to Studio Biz and All That Jazz. Today, uh, I want to keep on the theme of showtime because, you know, it's show season here in Australia and a lot of studio owners during that October, November and December period are doing their end of year production, which is a big thing here, you know, the Christmas show, I guess. And so I wanted to bring another topic around that and that is costumes. Now, I believe that every studio should be profiting from providing costumes. I do within my business. I'm going to share with you what mine looks like, but I'm also going to be sharing different models because there's no one way. There's no right way. You know, it's whatever works for you. It's got to be your way. But there are three service models for your studio beers that could work in relation to costuming. So uh, today we're going to be talking about in-house hiring. Number one, we're going to talk about external hiring. Number two, and we're also going to be talking about client purchase. So that's when the student actually needs to buy the costume. So these are three different uh, styles, three different costume service models, and you can decide what works for you. But I'm going to share with you my top tips on each of those three models that I've seen work successfully with my coaching clients and also within my studio biz for the last 10 years. And I didn't always get it right, (laughs) you know. And so if you're not making money on your costumes at the moment or you feel guilty doing a markup, um, let's talk about that. And there are ways to combat that with clients as well, especially in the purchase space, okay, because they can see the price, you know. So we need to be able to have uh, ways to communicate that with our clients respectfully but firmly, Anyway, this is a big topic and I know a lot of you would already have your costumes sorted, but, you know, sometimes we're, we're starting to buy again in February, you know, so it's just, it's good to be mindful and also the opportunity that pops up if you are going to be doing a hiring service or going secondhand will be coming up soon because once people are finished with their studio concerts and showcases and, and recitals, um, there's going to be, there's going to be costumes up for grabs. So you, you want to know how you want to move forward into the new year so that you can prepare in advance. Okay, I'm talking a lot. Let's get into it because it's a juicy topic. We're going to talk profit from costumes, three service models for your studio. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to Studio Biz and All That Jazz. I'm your performing arts business coach and host, Josephine Langcuba. This show is designed to bring you inspiration, information, and the instruments you need to create and grow the studio biz of your dreams. I will bring you a mix of solo episodes as well as interviews where I tap into the minds of industry experts. My career started as a performer over two decades ago. I later became a speaker, theatrical producer and talent manager as well as having a successful teaching career in singing, drama and dance. Ten years into my professional journey, I became a mummer of two and with a baby on my hip, opened up my very own performing arts studio. From hardship and humble beginnings to four studio locations and a multi-six-figure performing arts biz, I know how to attract students and keep them coming back for more. And in the show, I will share with you my experiences to help you thrive and fast-track your path to success. I know you have a spark inside of you with dreams and goals for the future. As your coach and mentor, I'm here to help you step into your limelight and be a cheerleader in your ear each and every week. 
So get ready to be entertained and inspired as we talk studio biz and all that jazz. Hello, wonderful friends, and welcome to the show this week where we talk about costumes. Costumes, glorious costumes. Now, I am... I, I hate costuming. I gotta be honest. If I'm being really blunt with you, I don't love the job of being the costumer. Nope. Costume director. Thank goodness for them. Um, but yeah, look, I did do my last show, my last seasonal show myself, uh, which I hadn't done for quite a few years. And yeah, I won't be doing that again for a while. <laughs> if I'm honest. <laughs> But whether you source your costumes yourself, which is what I did last season, or whether you're getting someone else to do it for you, which I'm doing again this season, um, it doesn't really matter. There are three different costume models, which are pretty straightforward, but still I think we need to discuss them so that you can um, maximize this as a profitable service and not just do it for the love because everything in your business should be for a return. Really, every service that you provide needs to have a profitable end, unless it's charitable. If it's a charity thing, that's different, but your business is not a charity. Even if you're running a not-for-profit, you know, like there's ways to do things, but I want you to be really clear about this. Costumes are for profit, okay? Let's go. So let's start with the three models. Uh, and those three models will be that we talk about today, in-house hiring, external hiring, and client purchase. Let's start with in-house hiring. Okay. So number one, I currently do a combination of in-house hiring and external hiring. Um, but let's talk about what's involved with in-house hiring because sometimes people want to go down this model it is the most affordable option for your client, but it is also long-term profitability is amazing on this model, but you need storage. That's the, the bottom line. Now, you don't need a lot of storage necessarily. You need to get good at packing and labeling. So the way I do that is each costume goes into a trundle box has a letter marker, like an A on the box, um, for example, like box A, and then we we put that into a Trello board with a description. So we take a photo of the item. I'm jumping the gun here, aren't I? But let's just talk about that. Let's talk about the storage component. Okay, so in in-house hiring, this is when you're hiring out the costumes. You as the business owner own the costumes and you hire them out to your customers and, and, and students. You can have a set fee per costume or you can bundle it and package it into memberships, which is what we do now. We used to charge $35 or $40, I think it was, um, back in the day. We used to charge a per costume fee. And so if they were in three different numbers and had three different costumes, it might be $40 a costume or $30 a costume or $25 or $100, whatever your higher fee is, it's up to you. And what, and, and what we would do is we would buy a set. So let's say the maximum capacity for your studio class is 15 people. Then you would buy a set of 15 with a couple of extras in a large size. Now, the reason I say get a couple of extras in a large size is because 
if someone doesn't fit, you can always keep those larger ones as the ones that you can alter. So you don't necessarily have to cut the fabric and shrink them, but you can, you know, tack them in and, and make it work for people if you need to. So it's good to have a couple of the largest size available just as extras, okay, because um, you can mould them and make them what you need them to be if you have to work with them. But, yeah, so for us, our class capacity on most of our classes is 25, so we will usually buy a set of 30, for example, um, with a couple of extras in popular sizes and a couple of large items as well, and that's how we do it. Now, then we take a photo of the item. We pop it in a trundle box, like I said. We don't rack them. It takes up too much space. We pop them in a trundle box, flat packed or folded nicely. If it's a tutu, we try and be mindful um, of that. But we, we, we're not a ballet studio, so we typically don't do that. But um, we do have a few. And... We then go and like, yeah, like I said, take a photo of the costume item, pop it in the box, and then we pop it up in what we call a Trello board, but you can file it any way you like. You could put it in a Google Doc, you can do whatever. But what we do is we pop it on a Trello board, we put a picture of the item and a description, 30, you know, 30 pieces, six mediums, you know, three larges, and in the description you do it there and then you save it. So then all you have to do is we go back to our trailer board, we click the image and it'll have the description. Oh, we've got 30 of these, we've got five in large, we've got da, 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 you know. And so that's how we do it. And then I have, I've actually got them in my garage. I stack shelf them. Um, now, if you do have tissues, whatever, you might need to flatten them and then just get them layered in a bag. And do the same process though. You can label the box or the bag with a letter or however a number system. It's up to you. And then that's how we do it. Box location on the trailer board. We say location box A, location bag one, you know, and then you know to go to box A. It's labeled clearly and you're going to find what you need in there. Okay. So storage and making sure that you have a filing system that's easy. Okay. Definitely in-house hiring is the most cost-effective unless you have to pay for major storage space. But even then, let's imagine um, that you do need to pay for storage and the storage unit is not too bad in price. If that storage unit costs you $1,000 a year, you know, you've got to, you've got to weigh it up. So do you research? Do you have space in your studio? Do you have, can you have a dedicated room in your studio for storage? Do you have dedicated space in your home without driving your partner or your family crazy? Because <laughs> you don't want to take over the whole house. So don't turn your house into a costume den. It, I know some people do, but it's not great. It's great if you've got an attic or if you've got a garage or if you've got a spare room that literally doesn't get used and there's no purpose for it. But otherwise, if you're, if it's trawling into your lounge room and stuff, don't do it. Get a separate space. You know, your home is sacred. Okay. I just want to preface that. My garage is at the front of the house and the costumes never come through the, the, the actual house itself. It's all through the garage out the front. And so it doesn't feel connected. And it was a garage that we never used um, because it was narrow. So um, we just thought, oh, we're never going to use that for the car. It's actually quite annoying. <laughs> so we just didn't. 
And then I said, oh, well, I'm going to use it for storage. Then my husband's like, okay. So that's how that went down. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, you know, that's just a thing that you need to consider. But factor the price in if you have to pay extra for it. Um, now, you will profit over time with an in-house hiring service because if you have it for several years, you get to reuse the costumes. And that brings me to my next point with in-house hiring, rotational schedules. So keep a spreadsheet of when it was last used and for what routine. So the last time you used the yellow um, sequence dresses was in 2015 for the number, you know, you are my sunshine. And then you're like, okay, well, or for the musical, whatever, hairspray. So when you know that, you go, oh, okay, cool. Well, we haven't used it since 2015. It's been eight years. Um, we can definitely reuse it. But what I would recommend is having even a three, a three to four year rotational schedule. Three years is actually even just fine. So I wouldn't be using the same ones year on year, year on year, every year. You do want to keep it fresh. Um, two years at a minimum, three years, I think is a sweet spot. Yeah. But don't feel like you can't use them because you used them three years ago. That's ridiculous. Like you can absolutely reuse them. And the truth is with the three year gap, it means that kids usually, um, if you're dealing with children, that is, they age out. So they'll age out of wearing that costume and they'll be in the next phase of costume. So they never really usually wear the second ones again. And if they do, they do. With adults, my goodness, like they don't care. They're just, they're happy to reuse the costumes over and over, you know, they don't care at all. So you can even probably get more use out of adult costumes than you would for kids, um, just for the special factor with that sort of client base. But um, adults understand and they're happy to reuse costumes and it's actually good for sustainability. So why not? Right. Um, that's the other thing I will preface. It's great for sustainability purposes, not just cost effective. So that's another selling point to your clients. Uh, and also you can theme to pieces. So let's say you've got a really small budget. And you're like, hey, um, we already own these costumes. Let's start reusing. Um and then your teacher's like, oh, I want to do a routine where we're under the sea. And you're like, well, we don't have any under the sea costumes this year, but here's a catalogue. Here's our Trello board or whatever you've got, Asana, Monday, whatever. Here's our Google Doc um, of all the costumes we do have. If you can just consider that with your choreography and music choices this year, because we're, we're keeping to our budget, which is we're reusing what we have. And what I would say is, Every year you might buy a new set for each age group. So you can start refreshing and then over time you can sell sets. So let's say you've had a set for 10 years. You're like, mm, never going to use that one again. Let's sell it. So there's really lots of benefits there, but don't go filling them up like crazy. You can reuse other things as well. So for example, we've got items that are so reusable, like black lacquer hot pants that can go under anything, um, red mesh gloves that we use for so many different purposes, you know. Uh, so things like that that are just, you know, so reusable, coloured leotards, hey, they can be used year on year. One year you've got the, you know, the polka dot skirt on it and the next year they're being used because they're fish in a routine with like chiffon skirts and wings. Like so there's stuff that is like totally reusable season after season, year on year, um, and you can get creative with accessories and little items on top. So be you can be creative in that sense. Anyway, so that's in-house hiring. Um, we utilise that but not all the time, um, but I tend to utilise in-house hiring 
mostly for my preschoolers and what we call our mini star program. We definitely reuse them and it's been so cost effective and it's fabulous. Okay. All right. Next, that was number one, in-house hiring. Number two is external hiring. So external hiring means you are not the holder of the goods, you are hiring off somebody else. This can work particularly well with character costumes. Uh, I have a musical theatre, you know, niche studio, and so for us we use external hiring a lot. Uh, I have a costume director who literally goes around to the musical societies for the shows that we've done and says, hey, what have you got? And we will hire off them. Or she will actually have a full catalogue of costumes that she she's a seamstress. She has so much stuff that she collects and she's just a lover of costumes. That's what she does. So she's got this massive, like, few rooms filled with stuff and we just hire from her. And I don't have to go there and say, hey, you know, she'll just say, what do you think of this? And I'll go, that looks great. And she'll just create it. But external hiring can also work really, really well. Just factor in a markup cost there as well. So if the costumer is saying, I'm going to give it to you for $30 a costume, you're going to on charge the client more, for example. So yeah, so we use a combination of in-house hiring and external hiring, which people may be very surprised about because people don't actually think about external hiring ever. And, I mean, coming from musical theatre, it makes sense for us, but you can actually find some options or team up, collaborate with your local studios or studios that are a couple of suburbs away from you that you don't see as your competitor. Say, if they've got it, find out who in your region that's in a reasonable travel distance has hire costumes, costumes for hire like you, get an agreement together, like have a contract between you where you have like this barter system and and you can say, hey, here's our catalogue that we're not using this year. You can, um, if you'd like to hire them from us and we would love to hire from you. You know, like why not? That's another revenue stream and I just thought of it now. actually collaboration. It's a beautiful thing, right? Community over competition. If you've got a studio literally 30 minutes down the road that does exactly what you do and hires, hire from them. What a brilliant idea. You can thank me later. Um, Yeah, I think that could work really nicely actually. And then you can actually sell on like hire your things. But like I said, have an agreement. Even it's just a one-page document about you know, if things come back damaged, you know, there'll be a fee of X, Y, Z per costume or blah, blah. If you can build a good relationship with them, that's great. You might have a free barter system where you say, I'll, I'll, um, I'll swap you a set for my set. You could just have a mutual barter system. I always think it's good to have a dollar attached, but, you know, whatever. It's just because if then they say, hey, we want three sets and you only need one, it gets awkward. But you could have a system where it cancels each other out. So you might say, hey, um, for every set additional that we're not swapping for, we'll charge for. So for one set, we'll do a clean swap hey, we both want two sets of it off each other. We'll do a clean swap, but you want a third set off me. I'm going to charge you for the third set. Could be an option. Could be an option. Just getting creative here. And I think that external hiring and using our collective and using our, our network of people that do what we do just makes sense. 
All right, we're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back to number three, client purchase, which is probably the most popular option um, amongst studio owners. And that is when your client purchases the costume, purchases the costume and you do not have to hold stock. All right, here we go. Do you find show season overwhelming, busy and chaotic? You're not alone, studio owners. Trust me, you are not alone. I created a resource which is totally free, which you can download now, and that is my studio concert and showtime checklist. And this is a free resource which I'm giving to you so that you can help plan your next show with a little more confidence and ease. In the free resource, I'm going to give you not only what I use, those actual notes that are on my actual checklist, because that might inspire you for next time, but also uh, some templates so you can print off and use it or pop it into a spreadsheet. So head to josephinelanecuba.com forward slash show checklist now and the link is in the show notes. Okay, welcome back to the show. And now we will step into the third service model for your studio, which tends to be the most popular, like I've mentioned, client purchase. So we've talked about number one, in-house hiring. We've talked about number two, external hiring. And now we're talking about when your client purchases a costume and you walk away without holding stock, which for a lot of people, you know, might be a great option if you don't have storage or you're not comfortable with um, going out and finding companies to hire from or other organizations that you can do a bit of a trade with. If that's not for you, you know, that's fine. Uh, Client purchase might be the way to go. It is, however, usually the most expensive option for your client, which again is totally fine if that makes sense for your customer and for your customer avatar, for your demographic you know who you serve and you need to be honest with yourself about the customer experience and if this is the right model for you. Because if you've got people, like if you're in a competition school where people do six routines at the end of your show or the concert or the the showcase, if they're in six different costumes and each of those costumes cost $100 a pop, for example, is that encompassing to your customer experience does that suit your customer does that make sense and the answer might be yes it makes perfect sense you could have a a competition school where everyone's more than happy to pay that fee you've got you know packages you've got um a costume like payment plan across the year like a 12-month payment plan for 60 dollars a month and by you know december you'll get your costume or whatever and that might work brilliantly for you. So I'm not trying to say it doesn't make sense because I don't know who you serve. I know for my client base, it doesn't work. Um, and we just, yeah, we've tried some of that in the earlier days. It was customer complaints and things, and it just wasn't for us. And that's because we're a recreational school. Yes, we have amazing talent, but we're non-competitive. Um, We only do the one festival a year, which is the Junior Theatre Festival. It's our only competition option. Um, But even then, it's a different vibe. It's not really a comp vibe, to be honest. Um, It's an adjudication, sure, but there's other things around. But, you know, so it just doesn't work for us. It also depends how young your students are and also what cost you're getting your costumes for. Now, some studio owners might be travelling to Thailand every year and, um, you know, cashing in at that holiday, that work holiday as a tax break. 
And that's a great way to have a bit of fun and go buy your costumes. Or perhaps you've got some amazing um, companies that you work with and get great rates. The problem I'm finding though, and what I'm seeing a lot of people talking in the, in, you know, community Facebook groups is that the cost of these items are going up and it, they're finding it really hard to bump up those prices to their customers. And when that happens, you have to ask, is this the right model for me? Now it doesn't have to be brand new. And so before I go into it with the, you know, some of my top tips in this space, I just want to propose a concept to you that lots of people are just not doing enough of, and that is buying secondhand, okay? You do not have to buy brand new costumes from the top websites that sell them, you know, shipping from America, all that stuff. You don't actually have to do that. You don't have to do that. You can find amazing secondhand costumes for half the price. It's great, again, for sustainability, for the environment, it's a much better option in that space, but it's also, it brings down the cost and it can increase your profits as well. So even if you don't um, up the charge to the, like, you, you know, you might not even lower the cost to the client. They may still be happy to pay $80 a costume and you're getting them at a different price point. And secondhand doesn't mean drab or ripped or faded. Like some secondhand costume sets are amazing. You've literally got studios, for example, selling these constantly online. You're looking for bulk, not for one-offs unless it's solos. So we're looking for bulk options, which you can definitely find online. So just, just keep that in the back of your mind. Actually, I've got a bunch of stuff that I'm going to be selling Um in the next month or two, I'm going to be starting to put stuff on sale. So there you go. If you're looking for costumes, hit me up. But you see my point? Like there's people like me in the world that are like, we've had these for a while. They're in excellent condition. They've probably been worn twice and we're happy to move on. You know, it just depends. Um, it can also happen when, you know, if a studio is closing down, jump on that and find out if they've got costumes. <laughs> just... That's what you need to do. A studio for sale. Hey, do you hire your costumes? Do you have like a, an entire warehouse full of costumes right now? Because I'd love to tap into that. Okay, so let's talk about when they're not secondhand. So that's my secondhand tip. Whatever, take it or leave it. All right, let's say you don't want that. You want to buy them. You want the client to buy them and you want them brand new. Fine, not a problem. Profit is a must. Remember to do a markup. Now, the reason you're marking up and this is something you can share with your clients. And you don't have to go too far in the explanation with your clients, by the way. But what I will say is these are the things to consider in the markup because people forget. Don't forget to include tax. So some people forget the tax component completely. They forget that they have to pay tax on income. So if you, if the client is going to the website to purchase the costume themselves, then you're not receiving that as income. That's fine. But if the client is paying you and you are receiving the money from the client and then distributing the goods out to your clients and buying bulk from websites or whatnot, then actually you have to pay income tax on that. And don't quote me, I'm not an accountant, I'm not a financial advisor, but check with your accountant if that's right because then that's something you need to factor in the price tax. You need to factor um, your administration 
fees, especially if you have team members that are doing the ordering or the source, the sorting and all the things. You need to um, factor in your research time, your sorting costs, your purchasing time, your shipping, all of that. And we know with inflation, things have really risen. So, you know, just decide on what your markup is. Even if it's only a 10 to 20% markup, have a markup. It could be a dollar amount. It could be a percentage amount, but definitely have a markup. Also, the problem with purchasing can sometimes be if you don't receive the goods in time, what do you do? Okay, so sometimes that can happen. Um, it happens, some, unfortunately, more often than it should, and that is that suppliers don't come through when they say they were going to come through and you end up at an event without costumes. If that has happened to you, I would love to hear your story. Send me a DM at Josephine Lane Cuba on Instagram. Yeah, I'd love to hear your story and perhaps we can do like a, a little Instagram live on your experience with that. That would be really cool because um, and how you overcame that situation if you ordered costumes and they just didn't, they didn't show up. So that's devastating. That's, that's really stressful. Now it doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes it even happens with organizations that ha- like people are raving about and you just happen to get bad luck on, on your order. It, it just happens. Give yourself plenty of time. So if they say we can deliver to you within three months, we can deliver to you within four weeks. Don't leave it to the four week or three month window. Get in a couple of months before the window. So the thing with purchase orders from overseas is you do need to be really organized. Um, that's the only thing. If you're purchasing locally, then that's fine. Um, sometimes people forget the shipping amounts. And uh, I know from the US there's a quota when you order a certain amount over a certain amount, there's different taxes and shipping costs and all sorts of things. And people have gotten it wrong and ended up spending more than if they just bought locally. So these are things to consider. Now, um, how do you find the right companies? Recommendations. Recommendations are gold. Um, when it comes to finding the right companies and what their experience was and did they deliver on time? What was the quality like? Did it look like the picture? Did they deliver on time? These are some of the questions you can ask when asking for recommendations. If not through people that you know personally that have used different services, head to the community groups and ask, hey, there's this company I'm looking to use. I just have three questions. Did it, did it come looking like the photo? What was the quality like? And you know, what, um, did it, did it arrive on time or, Hey, I want to get great ballet costumes for preschoolers. Where can I go? Uh, does anyone have any recommendations? And again, saying I'm looking for, you know, good, good delivery time, delivering on the promise and whatever X quality you're looking for. And it may not be top quality. You may be happy with a lower quality item. So that's not what we're saying. We're just saying that it's what was promised. Yeah. Um, now the thing is, if a company lets you down, so let's say you're the guy that ordered and they just didn't deliver on at all or on time. And it was a total mess. Uh, I would say don't use them again, even if other people rave about them, (laughs) you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. And I know that sounds really harsh, but to be honest, I would not trust a company that I just spent hundreds or thousands of dollars with that delivered a month after they said that the goods would arrive, I just wouldn't use them again. 
So these are the things you need to consider. Now, remember, if you're purchasing from these companies, that's great. You can go secondhand, like I said. Another purchase style that some people do is they they head to the shops. They go to the Kmart. They go to, you know, some little local store that has $3 T-shirts or whatever and they actually just piece it together themselves and they on-sell that that item. Could be an Adidas tracksuit. I'm just making it up. Like for a hip-hop crew, you know, whatever. So you don't always have to order from a costume company. There are other ways to do it. Um, you know, maybe you have someone in-house that makes the costumes and you sell them that way, whatever. The point is um, that, you know, I do think that there is, there's value in, look, there's value in client purchase. There is value in it because you don't have to store the goods, but you, it's just not as profitable over the long term um, and, it, and it hikes up the, the cost. But if you're happy with that, it actually increases the workload too over time. People would think that the workload's increased when you store goods, but it's actually not because you already know what you have. And once you build a catalog over a few years, you're not constantly shopping for costumes. So just think of your future self. Like what are you going to be doing in three, four years from now? Are you still going to be spending weeks shopping for costumes instead of just looking in a catalog of what you already own, you know? Or if you go external hiring, looking in the catalogue of what a neighbour's studio has and you're doing your swapsy deal. <laughs> like, I don't know, there's value in the time save over time as well. Think of that. Anyway, but if you want to buy brand new and have spanky costumes, totally get it. Like I said, don't forget to um, profit is a must. You must do a markup, and if that means that costume is $150, then so be it. If your client's not willing to pay it, then you need to reconsider your model or you need to reconsider the type of costume you're purchasing. Do they need to have that costume level? Does your costume need to cost $100 a piece? Is that essential? Will that change the outcome? Chances are not. But, hey, who do you serve, right? It's up to you. You know who you serve. You know. But sometimes lowering our own expectations is half the battle. That's truly half the battle. Okay, so those are the three. Um, and I would love to know what you do. Send me a DM on Instagram at Cuba. Do you do in-house hiring, external hiring, or client purchase? If you do do client purchase, how do you go about it? I'd love to hear your stories. And let's have a conversation because I do think uh, I can, I, I love to learn from others too. I love to hear what other people are doing and share those experiences with my clients as well. Because I think as a community, we support each other and empower each other with knowledge and experience. All right, everyone. Uh, well, that's it for today. I hope you got some value from my Profit from Costumes podcast, three service models for your studio. All right. Have a beautiful day and chookers chookers break a leg for your show season oh i can't wait to see uh, all of you in the done club soon okay bye this episode was brought to you by my signature group coaching program studio biz success an amazing and accessible online educational platform for performing arts studio owners designed to help you grow your business with confidence and get your results 
check it out at josephinelancuba.com along with other great industry resources to help you leap into the studio biz you deserve. If you love this episode, be sure to share it with your friends. You can tag me on social media at Josephine Lancuba and give it a review. Your support helps the show to grow so I can continue to provide you with useful, informative content. I'm Josephine Lancuba, your biggest cheerleader. Thanks for listening and shine bright.